Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Net Podcast. It's Microsoft's turn to shine this week as the company announced a stack of new Surface devices, including an update to its dual-screen Surface Duo phone and the introduction of a completely new Surface Studio device. Pocket Cam Bunton was following all the news coming out of the event and joins me to tell us all the details. Meanwhile, earlier in the summer, I caught up with the CEO of Polar to talk all things smart watches and fitness sensors and how the company is making sure it's still serving needs of its customers without making things too complicated. And finally, Pocalint's Britta O'Boyle joins me to discuss how we've both been getting on with the new iPhone. Britt's been reviewing the iPhone 13 13 mini while I've been using the Pro models. Are those new cameras and features all they claim to be? Well, stay tuned to find out. But first, back to you, Cam. What did Microsoft announce? They announced quite a few different things. It was basically a chance for them to showcase all their new Surface branded products because, of course, Windows 11 is coming out very soon. Mm. And so it wants hardware to be showcasing that new software, essentially. And so we've got a couple of new tablets. Yeah, a couple of new two-in-ones. So there's the Surface Pro 8, which is sort of like a big spec bump over its sort of flagship two-in-one if you remember back in the day, the Surface Pro was arguably the first two-in-one laptop mm. tablet that was a proper PC as well as being a proper tablet. Yeah. Um, this newest one has got the the latest craze, which is 120 hertz refresh rate display and Dolby Vision support. So you've got this beautiful high-definition HDR-capable display that's fluid and smooth, which is great for writing with the pen and for watching movies and gaming on. Um and then you've got the so that's the eight, isn't it? The Surface that's Eight, the and eight. then and then we've got the Go Three. So, yeah, the Go Three is a bit of a, more of a minor spec bump. They've put a new processor inside it, so there's their tenth generation Intel processor in there. It still only costs about four hundred dollars, um, but everything else is pretty much the same apart from the software, which again is the new Windows Eleven operating system. Now we also had an update to the Duo. We did, and. It's interesting because the, when the first Duo came out last year, it was something of an unconventional launch. It was like, this is a concept device and a few influencers and journalists in the States got their hands on them and weren't allowed to talk about the software at the beginning because obviously the software was terrible. Mm. Um, it just felt like a slightly unfinished product, whereas the Duo 2 takes that concept and seems to make it a bit more practical and a bit better. Um, so it's got the really powerful processor inside it but it actually has cameras on it this time so you can take photos with your zoom and your ultra wide and your regular camera like a normal smartphone now as someone that's been using the samsung flip and fold how did you think this fares because this is not let's be clear about this this is a folding smartphone but it's not it's not a folding screen is it it's not one screen it's it's two two screens yeah exactly it's a slightly different approach from microsoft so samsung uses one single panel and it bends in the middle whereas this has two screens that sort of open up to form one surface but then that means it's got a bit of a gap in between them um but the idea is that the software is supposed to work well between the two panels so you can have full screen apps or you can have multi split screen apps or if you're playing games you can have a controller on one side and a game on the other side so a bit like a sort of nintendo 3ds type approach it's it's definitely interesting whether or not it's it's good or whether or not (laughs) people are gonna want to buy them is is another thing entirely but i'm definitely intrigued by the concept of the device 
Now, perhaps one of the big surprises for me when I was watching the event last night was this Surface Studio uh, device, partly because Panos, when he was, he got so excited, he had to go off off camera and, and steal, just steal one that happened to be lying next to someone ready to go with perfect that, lighting. That was quite a funny moment, wasn't it? It was like it was supposed to look off the cuff, but completely scripted and planned. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they had, I'm sure they had a desktop that was called the Surface Studio a few mm. years ago, and then they've basically turned that into a laptop. So they've got this screen that comes out on a hinge over the keyboard, so you can use it at an angle, like a like a touchpad or a, or a drawing pad. But then it's also a laptop, but it's also incredibly powerful. It's got the latest NVIDIA graphics chips in there. So it's going to be really, really good for creators, so people who do lots of photography editing or video editing. It just seems like it's geared towards that market of people. And did we get any idea? Was this all just like, look at this, isn't it amazing? We can't tell you when it's coming out. Or did we get some idea of, of launch dates? Yeah, I think most of the most of the products are going to launch at some point in October. Most of them are actually available, available for pre-order now. And they'll be launching when Windows 11 comes out at the beginning of October. I think the Surface Duo phone will be slightly later uh, on the 20th of October. But that again, it's available for pre-order now. Still to come, Britt and I talk about how we've been getting on with the new iPhone 13 range. But first, we've partnered with Philips Fidelio on why you should get the company's latest T1 TWS headphones. Pocalyn's Rick Henderson is here to tell us three things he's looking forward to with the new product. So Rick, what's your first thing? Well, number one is audio quality. The Philips Fidelio T1 TWS earbuds are very much in a standard of their own for audio files, basically. Um, they have 10 millimeter dynamic drivers and in, in each ear and LDAC support and Bluetooth 5.2. That means that high-res audio can be streamed to them very easily indeed. Cool. And your second? Battery life. Um, the one thing that everybody wonders about in-ear earbuds is how long they will last, and the T1s promise some incredible battery life. They're active noise-cancelling headphones, and they promise that with ANC switched on, they will last nine hours out of the case, and then there's a further 25 hours worth of battery charge in the case itself. That's a mammoth 34 hours. And at number three... They're designed for a great fit. They're made with muirhead leather on the case and that real Fidelio standard of brushed metal on the actual earbuds themselves. But also you get uh, ear tips that are both silicon and comply foam. So they fit perfectly. So not only do you get the ANC ability, you also get hybrid noise cancellation through passive noise cancellation thanks to the great fit. And for more on the new Philips Fidelio T1 TWS headphones and the chance to win a pair of Philips Fidelio L3 headphones, go to pocket-lint.com forward slash Philips. Polo has been making heart rate monitors for decades and more recently has moved into the fitness tracker space having success with devices like the Polo Vantage and Ignite ranges. But with more and more of us wearing smartwatches and companies like Apple, Garmin and Fitbit keen to get in on the action, how does the company stay relevant? Sander Waring is the newly appointed CEO of Polar and having worked within the company for the last 15 years is keen to see it continue to succeed. I caught up with Sander earlier this summer and started by asking him what we can expect from him now that he's in charge. I'm new to the role and I'm really passionate uh, about the, the Polar brand and, and my role is to lead our 
let's say, next chapter in the wearable health and, uh, and fitness innovation. And I will focus strongly on, uh, on our, uh, let's say, unique DNA and heritage of the Polar brand. And, and you talk about the next chapter. How do you see that? What do you see that being? Uh, the next, step, next chapter for us will be that we keep focusing on our muscle, our research-based uh, features, what we call smart coaching, with a strong belief that as a brand, we are able to let people reach their potential with help of, uh, of our products and working with Polar. Now, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people have switched in, uh, to using an Apple Watch, for example, and that's their kind of first foray, or, or even the Fitbit, it's their first foray into kind of tracking their, their performance and their, and their you know, exercise and, and things like that. Has, that. has that dumbed the market down, or has it allowed you to, you know, to open it up to, to more opportunities for you as, as Polar? opens up more opportunities for us as Polar and specifically also related to the pandemic we we have uh, faced so far. So finally, the whole awareness of using wearables and what you can get out of a wearable is much stronger than it has ever been before. And this is something we consider to be, uh, be a huge opportunity also for the Polar brand. And and obviously Polar's been doing this for a number of years, um, way before the Apple Watch was invented, way before Fitbit was a thing. Um how how do you think what do you think that polar does different to make it stand out from everybody else we have, we have uh let's say we had a, a long journey uh, we started in 1977 when heart rate monitoring was not available yet so we brought the first heart rate monitor at that stage of time basically laid the foundation for this industry and as from that moment we started with first educating what the use of heart and the need of heart rate monitoring is and what the benefits are and then gradually we grew up together with our customers to where we are today. And the, the, the foundation of, of any decision we made so far and any feature we brought out is a thorough uh, research base. So we have a thorough research department uh, constantly looking at innovation to help people to meet their goals. And especially, I think this last one, so focusing on the solution of helping people to reach their potential for whatever purpose, from people who decide to be active to the pro uh, sports athletes, that's something which makes us, I think, unique in the wearable space. And how has that changed over over the years? You know, you, that's that's a long time to be to be offering this sort of technology to people. Uh, what are the demands that were perhaps when you started? You know, back in the late seventies to to now in the in the twenty twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what kind of what people what are people asking for now that they perhaps didn't realize they could ask for for like twenty years ago? We we are basically uh, looping back to where it all started. I would say so. People nowadays are looking for a solution. They are more aware of the need to be healthy than they have ever been before. But on top of that, the experience with data is also stronger. So finally, the data uh, a consumer or a customer shares with a brand has a certain value. And nowadays, uh, it's important also for companies like Polar to make sure that we at least match the same value of data back to our customers. Uh, And in our case, we call that actionable guidance. But finally, there is a, a revival uh, of of uh, of heart rate monitoring also where we started. So I think we are basically coming back to where we all started about 40 years ago. And the momentum 
hasn't uh, uh, it's not a way the only thing that has changed is basically the form factor and the technology and that's one of the things isn't it that smartphone uh, smart watches sorry has has become have become more and more sophisticated you know we're seeing more and more sensors being thrown into different watches whether it's from polar or garmin or apple or, or others how <laughs> do you do you think there'll come a point where you just think there's there's not many more sensors we can put in this, you know, it's, or, or the, do the sensors get better or, you know, where do you go next with it to, to still keep that drive and innovation carrying on? That's basically what you would like to try to get out of this sensor. That's basically the value of the, the, the wearable. So finally, there are, uh, as you know, uh, a lot of wearables uh, around in the market. But in the end, is it is all about what you get from it and if you really get results uh, from it. So finally, the focus of a company like Polar will stay in uh, innovation and research on getting these sensors more accurate and also probably make these sensors measure much more values than they, than they do today. So finally, the measurement device is important. Uh, but again, the form factor, if it's a smartwatch or an app or anything else, that's basically not the leading principle for innovation. And and, and that's another problem that we seem to be, be experiencing within the industry at the moment is that, you know, the devices are coming down in price and therefore the quality of the sensors are probably not as great as, as, as some in other markets and other sectors. How do you... You know, how do you ex- educate and explain to consumers that you know a fifteen pound you know watch strap thing that will supposedly give you a heart rate monitor you know in it is isn't anywhere near as good as as something that that you guys make? Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's this is one of the the reasons why we developed uh, our feature set into this smart coaching principle. So basically, we branded our uh, features uh, and called it smart coaching. And this, let's say the smart coaching makes that we can easily um, explain difficult scientific data and translate it to customer into simple actionable data. So finally, it is uh, about making people aware of the fact that one, if you spend time exercising with a brand or a product, Let's make sure that it counts. So make sure that you do not undertrain, basically wasting your time, or do not overtrain, basically losing time because you get injured. And finally, this I, I would say that this benefit of training, this is something we are trying to bring forward all the time. And this should be the re- the real reason for for people to let's say measure. Uh, activity uh, and finally try to match your your objectives and goals and and how do you how are you going can you give us an example of how you're going about doing that what do you think the key measurement for people is that makes it easy to understand because a lot of time you know people talk about this quantified self they talk about you know data almost for data's sake can you kind of you know anybody that's worked in numbers you suddenly look at a spreadsheet you can get very overwhelmed by data if you don't know what data to look at How, how do you go about helping people do that yeah that's 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 finally where we fuse the data so in in the past uh you had all the separate uh, measurements like a heart rate like sleep 
uh, training load and recovery, they were all basically independent features you had to use in your device and you had to do your interpretation. Nowadays, with this, uh, let's say, more daily wearability of wearables and also the length of battery uh, lifetime and fashion, of course, also we add to the design of our products, you get a real seamless experience. So basically, we translate all these factors like heart rate, heart rate variability, mm. sleep, recovery, we translate it into one value. So in our case, for example, with nightly recharge, you will see how much you have recovered during the night. With a FitSpark, we will easily explain you what kind of healthy choices you can make today. And if you would like to know more even, we will even guide you to some kind of exercises where you can see how you need to do it mechanically. But the, 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 the let's say the, the, the core of what we are doing here is to stay away from the difficulty and basically translate it into one actionable feature. And if you only use this one, you are probably going to improve a lot already. Now, a lot of companies within the sector are having to you know, do what you're doing, which is focusing on, on the training and all the other stuff. But they're also having to kind of, people want more from their devices and they're expecting it to be, uh, you know, to let them read their messages, to pay for things, to get on the get on transport systems and stuff like that how important is that to you or do you still believe that really this is a watch for for exercise for training and you know if you want to tell the time or do other things that you know really that's this is a different experience somewhere down yeah. the line yeah it is it is important and uh, uh we listen to our customers and we have added smart features also to our watches for for the understanding of of the decisions we make we call this basically the triangle drama in our company hmm. so we always have to make the choice between one accuracy and we we can proudly say that we are the most accurate and also own the golden standard when it comes down to a heart rate and heart rate variability. Uh, it's then the second factor is the, the battery lifetime because mm -hmm. the demand from the customer on the length of the battery lifetime, uh, it's, it's one of the, let's say, key uh, decision-making factors for our customers. And then it comes down to the form factor. So to what extent do we allow a product to have a certain size or is a certain size accepted by our customers? So this triangle drama, let's say it like that, that's basically leading for the decisions we make. And within this triangle, if we can add things, we will, of course, do it. And, and do you think, I mean, you obviously dabbled with Android Wear in the past. Google is now trying to double down after its Fitbit acquisition to kind of create Wear OS and, and really push that forward. Obviously joining forces with Samsung yeah. more recently. Is that something you think you'd investigate, you know, once again, or are you very happy with, you know, developing your own OS and, and sticking with that because you know that you can, you know, close the loop and you've got all the benefits from that? But there are two there are two choices we can make here. Uh, one choice is the data integrity and the fact that we uh, own this end-to-end -end ecosystem. Uh, let's say assuring that the data we generate is accurate. So that's one one reason uh, to have our own ecosystem uh, as mm. being polar. On the other hand, we are heavily investing in SDK and API, making our product, but also our data compatible to third-party devices, uh, which could be, let's say, for some customers, the reason to blend the, the, the polar data and output with their desired device from a third party or another brand. So this is the way where we basically place uh, both on the on the iOS and Google platform and on our own platform. As the leaves start to fall from the trees and the weather gets colder, 
the latest iPhones are here once again. Yes, this year we've got four new models, a smattering of new tech features and a basket of buzzwords and enhancements. But should you worry about missing out or can these just be missed out? Pocalens Brito Boyle and I have been reviewing the new iPhones, all four of them, to find out whether things like photography styles or cinematic mode make a difference. And whether you really can notice that new notch and well whether you should be heading to the shops to upgrade today. So let's start, Britta, with your opinions on these things. Uh, what's your favourite bit of the new phones you've been playing with? Well, there's quite a few nice bits, but I do like the photographic styles um, feature in the camera. I think they're quite cool. They're very subtle, but they do make quite a nice difference too. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed that as well. With the So just to clarify, I've been reviewing the iPhone Pro iPhone 13 Pro and iPhone 13 Pro Max. You've been playing with the 13 and 13 Mini. Yep. Um, and photographic styles. For those, because it's a new feature, isn't it? So what's, just for those that don't understand what that is or are aware of it, what, what is it? So it's a feature that you apply before you take the shot. That's quite important because you can't do it afterwards, which is a little bit of a shame, but hmm. it is what it is. Um, so it's like a filter, but it's not really a filter because it's in the image pipeline as opposed to applied to the whole image. So it can understand the different elements of a photo. So it will understand skin tone and then the sky, for example. So it won't apply the it won't apply the sort of film to the sky or, or the skin tone keeping it a little bit more natural but it will still add a little bit of something to it and so if you like them uh, there's four to choose from so i think it's rich yeah. contrast vibrant cool and warm have yeah. you found yourself choosing one over the other yes i like the rich contrast one but i like See, i like that one as well yeah. i thought that, that kind of just it kind of punched up the blacks for yes me. Gave, gave it a little bit more pop i thought there we go. See the, the official term from yeah. now on. <laughs> and you and you can you can adjust it slightly at the bottom as well. And I think it will stay there until so the next time you then go into that, it will stay rather than you having to adjust it again. But you can't save it as a preset, which is a bit a little bit strange. But it... now that's a very specific feature, and we've started. I got you to dive straight into that because <laughs> I was curious of what your favourite bit was. Uh, I think that's one of my favourites. I also like the macro photography mode on. Uh, on the iPhone 13 Pro, so that allows you to to get really close up. I kind of there's a a picture on the site as part of my review of a 10 pound note where I didn't realise there was writing in that part of the 10 pound note until I used this macro mode. Um, but let's go, let's rewind slightly, let's pull it back out there. These the the, the phones that you've been playing with are they any good? Uh, is Apple, you know, it's always the worry, isn't it? It was incremental upgrades, refinements, and stuff. But is it enough to get excited about? I think it's enough to get excited about, but probably if you're an 11 or a 10R user, more so than if you're a 12 user currently. Um, because the, the you obviously, if you were upgrading from an older model, you then get the design change as well. Whereas if you're upgrading from the 12, you don't get that. You get it's the same, except for that notch being slightly smaller and the camera lenses being slightly larger on the back. Um, so I would say... There are some there are some good upgrades. I, I did actually find that they were faster and the battery life um was better um mm. in my experience. But um yes, I think if you're a twelve user that you could probably skip this one um and wait and see what next year brings. But if you're an eleven or ten R user, then yeah, why not? Yeah, and I think that was some of the criticism, isn't it, from some of the reviewers across you know, the some of the tech reviewers have already got their phones. Is is this it, and, and certainly I found it as well to a point, is you could easily see this as a 12S. 
Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, there's a few changes. There's a cinematic mode, which I tried to have a go with, and it's kind of hit and miss. I can see where it's going, and I think it's, you know, really clever. So cinematic mode is this idea that it's a bit like portrait mode on an iPhone, if you've used that, but applied to video. And not only applied to the background, but also applied to the foreground to really give you some sort of, to try and emulate the depth of field and bokeh effect that you'd normally get with a traditional DSLR or a traditional movie camera. Obviously, because it's all software based and it's done on algorithms and things like that. And they've kind of wonderfully said that they studied they studied the cinematographer to determine how impressive this would be. Um, it, it kind of... It, gets it right but it can get very confused and then you still sort of get that that weird blurring around like wispy hair and 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 things like that which then just kind of luckily unlike photography styles you can uh you can edit that after the fact but even the editing process within that is fairly fiddly and quite complex and i'm just not sure certainly on the 13 and 13 mini whether the, the, the kind of person that would buy that would even think about using this kind of stuff well that's the thing isn't it, it it's there but Ultimately, I mean, how much are you really going to use that unless you're someone that's really keen on getting sort of the arty shot or the arty video? It, it's a cool feature. It needs a lot of light, I um, noticed when I was testing, but it's a cool mm. feature. And I, I think you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want to, which I think is quite nice because then you can have a little play without having to go too mental. Um, <laughs> too but, down the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then kind of see what it's about. And, and then maybe as you sort of get more confident, you can make it into something a little bit more exciting. Um, but you also you also need to be videoing people that are going to sort of do play ball, if you say sort of wait or whatever, rather than I'm not sure it will really work on your kids type thing. Yeah, I tried it. I, I went <laughs> over the top. I went to a village fete uh, at the weekend and I tried it on, there was a tug of war competition. <laughs> And I said, oh, let's see what cinematic mode can do with the 10 women that are in front of me in this camera that are trying to, you know, ill heave ho to get to win the to win the tug of war. And just all the like the algorithms going like, which one do I focus on? There's too many faces. <laughs> it's, you know, I was being a bit mean to it. Testing it to its limits. It picks up objects, pets and people, doesn't it? That's what. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I thought it's what I did think was quite clever is you know if you if the subject you're looking at then gazes away and stops looking at the camera, then it tries to work out where it's gazing to and then goes off. If that's another person, it goes off and finds it there. It. I mean, it's good. It's clever. I think it's obviously you know showcases the new A15 processor that's in this in these devices yeah but i don't think hollywood's going to have to worry just yet <laughs> what was your favorite feature then i think i quite like as you say i quite like the the um the photograph uh, photography styles um i can see that does make a difference in you know it's the i love a good instagram uh filter when when there's one around but it does cool, it, yeah. it does kind of come in and, and bludgeon with a very blunt baseball bat anything within that picture to fit into that style it's kind of it's like putting tracing paper over it or you know just everything is going to be it doesn't take into account anything in the picture it just says this is going to be everywhere yeah and so the idea of doing that you know just at the kind of the core level of the photo so to speak as it's being taken is is quite nice um i found that the notch the notch is smaller it's narrow isn't it but it's taller yeah um i i i i 
don't see it doesn't really make any difference to me no um, it doesn't I haven't yeah, and I'm quite disappointed that if I'm being really picky from a design perspective that Apple hasn't utilized the additional space that's created by that for for more you know another data point or something and yeah. You know, because at the moment they just, for me, it feels like they've just made the font bigger in that area to fill the new space that's, that's you know, afforded to it. I know what you mean. And on the, actually the back of the, the, the camera housing's bigger. Mm. I, I think it's the same on the pro models too, I think. Um, but I found that with the mini device, which I love because it's so cute and compact and very light, um, but the camera housing did look big on the back of that compared to the 12 mini. It just stands out that little bit more, but that's design perspective too. So um, we'll probably be a little bit picky here with our design heads on. I would imagine yeah, but then, you know, this, I think that's the problem, isn't it? You've got to, Apple has to come up and tell us something that is exciting that we want, even though we didn't think about wanting it, and then has the ability to then convince the entire industry that their phone that doesn't have it is a poorer model because it hasn't got something you didn't think you wanted. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, what, you what know, it's like, why had, what do you mean this this new Samsung phone doesn't have photography <laughs> styles or it doesn't have macro mode or it doesn't have this? That's outrageous. I know, so, right? Well, you've but, got macro mode, but you've also got the faster refresh rate on the display, haven't you, compared to the one? Yeah, that and I think that's, it's again, it's one of those really interesting things. I, I mean, I think the headline for my iPhone 13 Pro review is is a lesson in refinement. And it's one of those things where I don't think, unless you look for it, you don't notice that there's this one 20 hertz screen that's smoother and, you know, and, and better for games and things like that. But I think probably after a while of looking at it, when I, if I go back to, if I went back to an 11, I'd be like, oh yeah, it is a bit janky. And it does, you know, it's not as smooth when you're scrolling through the web and, and things like that. The only thing, the the clearest thing I can I can sort of reference it to is when if you're one of those people where your partner is watching standard definition television or is watching HD TV, and you go, why why aren't you watching the the HD version or the 4K version of that? And they're like, well, I hadn't really noticed. Like, what what difference does it make? And you're like, oh my god, this is like black and like black and white. Notice, like, why are you doing this? And I think it's only when you start looking at it that you kind of realise that there is a change, and it's a welcome change. But I don't. Again, it's one of those things. I think if you're happy with your 10 or 11, it's it's not something necessarily. It's not that one reason to upgrade. But when you do go upgrade, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is slightly nicer. Yes, like you were saying, though, you don't know what you have until you've got it, right, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So, right, final question. Yeah. Should you go and get one? Uh, I think that depends on what <laughs> I think it depends on what model you've got, because I do love them, and, I, and especially the 13 Mini. It's cute, it's lovely, like the 12 Mini was. So, yes, I would say yes, but I would say that unless you've got an unlimited budget and you don't care about spending it every year, I I would say that if you've got any of the 12 models that maybe wait on this occasion because yeah, I think the that's... refinements are smaller than what you, um, you may not need that. Yeah, I think if you, that's exactly the same. If you've got a 10 or a 10S or an 11 and you have held out for a while and you think, you know, I've now saved up enough money to get the next upgrade for the next three years or whatever, yeah. then you'll find they're amazing. And, yeah. you know, it, you'll, there's so many new things that have introduced. 
but the incremental updates from you know a yearly thing it feels like it's getting harder and harder to sustain yes agreed 100 agree well that's it for this week's show thanks for listening until next time pip pip <laughs>